I'm rather busy. Uh, now he's going to move like right along to McGregor. That's his whole life. You know. Okay, so remember a couple weeks ago when I told you that they pretty much stopped talking about Mulder and Scully's past relationships? Yeah, now we have two episodes where are very much based on past relationships, a romantic one in Scully's part and a mentor one. But yeah. I did not lie. It does go away at some point. Okay. Um, I mean, certainly, I I didn't find either too bad in this episode, partial, you know, particularly because in the case of... Uh, Scully with what's his name, and I don't even I don't think I even wrote the fellow's name down, which is a problem. But Jack Willis, Jack Willis. Um, I wouldn't say that that's the focus of the episode. Her feelings about I mean, when she talks briefly at the beginning, oh, we went out for a year or two, and you know, and, and partially at the end when oh, remember when we went to that cabin, kind of a thing. But otherwise, it's not really about their relationship at all. I mean, it's more that's just the hook into the episode. Um, and while certainly the other episode, I would say, goes more into the detail with Mulder's relationship with uh his this superior officer. Um. I wouldn't – I would say it is in a way which – well, I mean we'll talk about that at that episode. But I, I found both to be better done in this episode. In, they weren't done in any way which gives the characters baggage, I guess is – Yeah, I think that's right. One one of the reasons that I didn't like Fire, for example, is that I never really bought the relationship yeah. or that they would have this kind of connection. Yeah. And I think that part of the reason why Lazarus in particular works – uh, uh, partially, yes, you're right. It's because it's not really about yeah. Mulder. It's not really about Scully's relationship with Jack. Um, although there are parts of it that are relevant to the episode, mm-hmm. but it's also, I think, to do with the fact that that at this point in the show, the writers have a better grasp on who the characters of Mulder and Scully are, the types of people that they would be attracted yeah. to, the types of people that they would want to be in relationships with, and the type and the ways that they would get over those relationships. Again, Scully had a relationship with this guy; she feels warmly towards him still, but at, at this point in at this point in her life and his life, that part of their lives is over. You know, she doesn't have really any lingering angsty feelings. His arrival isn't a you know, doesn't shake her up the way that uh, Asian ladies is, you know, does to Mulder. And I would say the Mulder superior characterizes what Mulder's past is in a way which ca- colors his present. Yeah, I think both of them actually do that because in Lazarus, of course, what you have is a, I don't know if I would consider it an inappropriate relationship, but it does seem at least to me that there was some sort of, it doesn't, I mean, the episode doesn't make it clear, but I would assume that they didn't start dating until after she had left the Academy. Yeah. And, you know, Jack Willis is supposed to be, I think, 10, something like that years older than Scully. So there is a little bit of an interesting angle there where Scully is revealed to be attracted to, to older men, maybe men that have a bit of authority over her a bit of power over her at least in this particular case well i mean it seems like maybe that's something that the show is is Hmm. starting to hint towards i I don't know given that she has some had a relationship with her father that had troubles right yeah so scully has daddy issues okay i don't know if that's the direction i would go with the character but it doesn't seem like it's really defining her as a person yeah exactly there i mean let's face it all of us have daddy and mommy issues in our own ways and i wouldn't not me i was hatched from an egg (laughs) porch so then you have egg issues um you don't really like eggs um yeah, no, Scully is not a person who is haunted. Every older man does not represent Scully's father. Every 
time she deals with somebody, she's not reliving these memories. It's just, it may be that at some point, you know, this is a part of her that, you know, 99% of the time doesn't even fire. And then, you know, she meets this, this particular person and it does click into that way. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, to contextualize the conversation as well, I mean, let's not forget that she, she watches her, her former lover get murdered uh, at the beginning of the episode, which I think colors her reactions to everything that's going on in the episode. And, you know, to me, the the opening is very striking and the episode is very striking, partially because Lazarus is, uh, for large portions of it, just kind of a, um, a, a straight up, you know, cop procedural. Yeah. And we've talked a little bit about the X-Files being that, you know, being that sort of um, procedural with a science fiction bent. And it definitely does have those elements. But at least in this episode, for a large portion of it, the the science fiction the 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 sort of mystery of the episode is not even something that people are picking up on until yeah. Mulder sort of does the test at the halfway point of the episode with the birthday card and for the most part of the episode though it's just them trying to figure out this mystery of who's committing these bank robberies yeah. catching these people that kind of thing yeah they're more worried about where the uh lula or whatever her name is is rather than and you know it's clear that jack has done something untoward but it's all part of the implication is that maybe he went very outside the book in order to catch this guy that he's obsessed with and now that he has caught him perhaps he has become unmoored a little bit Rather, yeah. you know, that seems to be more of what's going on rather than, as turns out, well, he's obviously possessed by the soul of the other guy, you know. Which, of course, Mulder immediately jumps to. Yeah. Well, one of the things that this episode, I think, is contextualizing for me in terms of the the different approaches that Fire and now Lazarus yeah. took in, in bringing in former lovers of Mulder and Scully is that I think one of the reasons why Fire for me didn't work is because there was really no reason for uh, uh, that character to be a former lover of Mulder's. It could have just been any random FBI yeah. agent or or whoever saying, hey, there's a guy that's like, you know, murdering, uh, you know, members of parliament by setting them on fire. And it didn't do anything with the relationship that that character had with Mulder. Yeah. Whereas the relationship... I mean, Mulder, people come to Mulder because weird shit happens. Yeah, it could have been. Right, it could have been anybody. But whereas in Lazarus, it's really incumbent on Scully having that prior romantic and personal connection with jack to pick up on the fact that he's acting odd and and even further the 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 soul again to use you know just a very convenient term of this criminal goes it back into jack's body because scully insists that they keep doing you know that that thing what is that called with the paddles the clear what is it called uh Rex, the Rex Tillerson's oh um yeah you know because be, they keep she she insists that they keep doing CPR or whatever they're doing past the point that they would have given up and if this had been just another agent Scully wouldn't have had such probably an insistence in and i also you know just as an aside i love the fact that she's like Either you do it or I do it because I'm a doctor. And you just kind of go, oh, okay, well, you're a doctor then. <laughs> like, what? But uh, you know, these both both these episodes, I, 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 they remember that Scully is a doctor. I mean, I like how in uh, I like how in Young at Heart it is her and the evil doctor who are explaining to Mulder, well, you know, what, what the medical uh, 
stuff behind everything is rather than people explaining to Scully, oh, here's how in vitro fertilization works. Yeah, yeah, I think so. You know what? I think the other thing that's really – it doesn't really pick up on anything. It doesn't mention the events of Beyond the Sea at all. But Mm. I think one of the other, you know, unspoken resonances for this episode in particular is the death of of Scully's father and what sort of emotional place that she would be in 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 this episode. Because, Mm. you know, it is the kind of thing where I would definitely buy the fact that she would be in a very vulnerable emotional place. She would possibly be thinking about past events, about regrets that she has, you know, all of those sorts of things after the death of her father and really feeling like she needs to be the one to bring Jack back from the brink because they had this relationship and she's trying to fix it somehow. Even just simply as I just lost somebody. I can't really, you know, that finally I'm working. Okay. I can't do, you know, that's going to knock me out again. Yeah. And I think the other part of it too, that, that is, is again, I mean, I keep comparing this episode to fire, but I think it's a valid comparison that we don't, get the information that she and and Jack were in a relationship, you know, as the first point of introduction to that character. Yeah. You know, we don't find that out, I think, for, I think, 15 minutes or something. And so, to me, the episode is selling the relationship a lot more based on how the two of them interact with each other at the very beginning of the episode, how, how Scully reacts to Jack's cardiac arrest, and how she reacts to him disappearing and yeah. acting strange. You know, and then it's revealed that they have this relationship. So to me, the show is getting better at this point at at, expl- at explaining relationships, at showing relationships instead of telling them. And that's also, I think, you know, key to how the relationship between Mulder and Scully is developing as well. The, 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 the show is showing us their relationship. It's not telling us that they're friends. It's not telling yeah, us yeah, that yeah. they care about each other. It's doing it through events. And it's interesting how he's learning how to counter her in a way. Normally, again, Mulder has the crazy idea, and she's very saying. You know, she gives her objections. Well, this this could be explained by this. This could be explained by this. When he's bringing out everything, you know, the fingerprints. Oh, he was right. You know, he's you know writing with a different hand and stuff. He brings them out one by one, waits for her to object, and then says, "Okay, we'll explain this." Okay, we'll explain this. And he's almost, he knows how to, he knows the level of evidence that Scully is going to require in order to admit that something is wrong. Admit isn't quite the right word, but to, to, she needs a certain amount of proof before she's just going to accept something. And he, he's learning the, that amount for her. Yeah, I think so. And, and also too, in, in Lazarus, Mulder seems to be, aware of the fact that Scully is going to require more yeah. proof than normal because this is not an academic exercise for yes. her. This is someone that she knows and had an intimate relationship with for, for a year or two. And, and you know, there there's a certain... I like... I like Gillian Anderson's acting in this episode quite a bit because she does a very good job of, of selling a sort of quiet desperation on her yeah. part or sort of a... You know, she's a little bit unhinged in this episode. Yeah. And... Her protestations against Mulder's, well, look, he didn't know when your birthday was. He signed a birthday card yeah. for you. He he wrote it with the wrong hand. You know, all this kind of stuff. She it almost She's batting it away almost sort of perfunctorily. Like yeah. she d- doesn't even want to deal with it. You know, for her, Jack is acting weird because of extraneous events that have nothing to yeah. do with this. And the fact of the matter is, 
you know, whether or not he's actually dead or taken over by this uh, a, a criminal are, are just sort of so outside of the realm of anything that matters to her that yeah. she doesn't care. She sees her, her former lover and friend like in trouble and, and wants to help him. But in a way, you know, kind of it, neither is a good thing. Either Jack is dead and he's possessed by this criminal, which is horrible, or, and frankly, more mundanely, he's either completely forgotten what her birthday is. In other words, you know, although this is completed from her point of view, she still seems to think of this as a nice memory. And does that mean that he's totally forgot? Like that's kind of shitty or he is in such a state of stress that he is forgetting stuff that he would know. Like no matter what, there is no good way out of this for her at this point. Like whatever is happening to Jack, it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, well, frankly, like, I don't know. I mean, if someone came to me and said, hey, your ex-boyfriend signed a birthday card for you and your birthday's not in two months, it'd be kind of like, okay. Like, I don't know how I would react to it. And I think that that's kind of key to it is that well, I think, but given I think this- Scully's reaction to it is genuine because, you know, I certainly have, uh, you know, exes of mine that if yeah. they signed a birthday card for me and it wasn't my birthday, I'd be like... But, you know, I don't know when their birth. I could not tell you when their birthday was within six months of it. But so. again, given that they do have the same birthday, though, is why it, it, it's it, it isn't as it isn't just that he forgot her birthday. He seems to have forgotten his own birthday. You would think that he would remember that her, you know, her birthday I, and his were the same, especially if they. I have also done that, but yeah, fair enough. I have also forgotten that someone's birthday is exactly the same as mine. <laughs> Yeah, no. I, I'm kind of shitty at <laughs> birthdays, so maybe I'm not the best person to have this conversation, but yeah. No, no, like it's, you know, again, it depends. And especially, I mean, part of the implication, as you said, you know, she, she, she says at one point, like, well, we always celebrated our birthday together, but she also mentions that she only officially dated him for a year. So yeah, I'm sure they were very close during their time together as professor and student and i bet they were you know even if they waited until the graduation to consummate it or whatever you know again that's their business i would hope they would you know yeah i think so and and the other part of that too of course is one of the things that this episode makes clear is that that's kind of a through run for the entire you know first half of this of the show and that's kind of how the show gets set up but you know Mulder really Mulder is an interesting character to me because a this episode really makes clear that he is a very very good investigator and that's something that we've known of course but yeah. you know he he's able to identify a noise on the tape he's able yeah. to get somebody to to figure out exactly what's going on you know where where this plane could have taken off from what the size of the plane is uh you know get yeah. agents out there to to canvas the neighborhood all of these sorts of things he's able to realize okay well the wedding ring is gone what's going on with that you know these kind of he's picking up on all of yeah. these clues and yes, he is coming to a, a, a maybe a, a less logical place than than Scully would come to. But Scully's not even noticing these yeah. things, and it's not to say that Scully is not a good investigator. But you know, she I think she she more in this episode at least she's not noticing these these things only because she's so preoccupied with with Jack. But in in other episodes, she is also noticing these things yes. as well. Where she, she's compromised a little bit in this particular moment. And exactly. Next yeah. week she'll be fine. <laughs> and I think where where Mulder's skills really lie is in taking the evidence and coming up with yeah. a theory to to fit the facts, as opposed to uh, you know Scully's investigative tex- techniques, which seem to be to come up with a theory to fit the facts that perhaps 
I don't know. It's it's a little bit well, ambiguous as to what her investigative technique is. I guess I would say that you know you say that Mulder is coming to a less logical uh, conclusion, maybe, but that is you. You're saying that coming from our experience of the real world. We ha- you have do have to accept that in the world of an X Files. You know, somebody being possessed by somebody else's spirit is not an illogical conclusion. It's something that happens. When Mulder says, you know, when if if I said to you, oh, this happened, it must be aliens, that would be out of left field. If Mulder says it, well, he lives in a universe where aliens do exist. So uh, I, I guess he's more – he's – genre savvy is maybe part of where it's coming from. He knows yeah. the kind of world they're living in more than Scully does. He's – which at this point is explained by the fact that he's been living in the X-Files for a lot longer. He has – I mean he had a family member captured by aliens when he was a child. So yeah, he has seen more behind the veil than Scully has. You know, Scully is more like us in which, which we haven't seen anything supernatural in there. Therefore, if you're going to sell me on su- something supernatural, you need to come with a lot of burden of proof. Mm-hmm. Otherwise – I'm just going to think you're crazy. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And, and, and you know, I think key to that is the fact that Scully is the audience surrogate in a certain way and also yeah. is really at the beginning of the journey that yeah. Mulder was at when he was 15 years old. You know, I mean, she had her first paranormal experience yeah. like two weeks ago. So yeah, for exactly. her, she's really just trying to figure this out. Yeah, she has, a re- you know... We could see a version of Mulder that's going through that. I mean, it would be interesting to see her going through those first steps and beyond the sea. We see her admitting and running with it on her own, and frankly, admitting to super, admitting to certain supernatural things that Mulder isn't even admitting to at this point. Yeah, uh, it would be interesting to see his awakening. Yeah, yeah. Well, so the other the other piece of Lazarus, of course, is you know, what's going on with Jack and what's going on with uh, uh, Lulu and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, on the one hand, it's a way to get them to the place of, you know, Scully being kidnapped, Scully being compromised. Scully really, really convinced that it's still Jack to the very end. And it gives Mulder a chance to show his commitment to Scully, really, I think is what the key point of that is. Now, the, the actual plot of the episode you know i think it's entertaining enough i don't know that you know one of the questions i have though is you know and i'm going to go back to to squeeze again because that's my favorite episode to go back to yeah i'm just going to break about that for the entire seven no no that's that that, that's fine (laughs) but you know to me we'll be like you know as old as uh wilbur ross and we'll be but remember the time that squeeze But but what always gets me about this episode is the the show, and I don't know that this is something the show ever really gets away from, but it it tends to do less of this, I think, as the show goes on, or maybe I'm just misremembering that, but we'll find we'll out. We'll find out. You know, stuff like the 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 reappearing, disappearing tattoo. It's stupid, right? And that's, but like, I, I one of my very first notes is, and when the professor is telling the story about, you know, and he came back, but he had visions, and the other person so. Like I wrote, this is a ve- this story makes no sense. This is going to be a stupid episode, but in a good way. Yeah. Like the business with the tattoo is dumb as hell. It makes no sense. It makes no metaphysical sense. Even why would it just be a tattoo? It, it, it it's stupid. 
but it's an it's an evocative visual and it's a good way for I mean I guess I kind of think of the tattoo almost non-diegetically in a way. Okay. As in, you know, and yes, you can see, you know, that tattoo disappear at the end or whatever, but it doesn't really matter if it's really there or not. It's a good way of signifying, you know, something else is happening, another consciousness, you know, the tattoo. I mean, and I mean, how much they focus on it, you know, you might as well have Chris Carter popping up in this. The tattoo's important. Pay attention to, you know, again, it, it, it's, it's stupid, but it it works as a it works for a science fiction television show that's supposed to be a rompy adventure. And and does anybody actually even comment on the episode? Comment on the tattoo? I don't, I, I don't think so. I think it's just it's it's just a visual representation for the audience. Uh, one of I think it's I don't remember if it's Scully or Mulder who at the very end seems to notice it, but they don't even say anything. They hmm. just see it disappearing. Yeah, it's weird because I guess you're. You, I mean, no, I'm not saying I guess you no. are. You are right in that. I think it's just a way for the. I mean, yeah. t- I don't know. I, I because why would it be a tattoo and and the left handed and nothing else? You know, why wouldn't he start growing his hairstyle differently? Or? Right, because to me, it's almost like the the show is still not trusting the audience enough to pick up on the fact of the plot. Yeah, it, it needs this extra oomph. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Mm. I mean, it, it it definitely is belying its like network television roots. You know, in, in a certain sense. I mean, I. The only, I mean, they could have done something interesting being that, you know, they noticed that the tattoo on Jack and for a while they seem to be thinking that he has just become obsessed with this case and, you know, oh God, he's so obsessed he even got the tattoo of the killer that he was, you know, that's how he's inhabiting this guy's mind. And, And I mean, there is a lot to, they are certainly making a lot of certain comments on Basically, Jack goes into this case so deeply that he literally becomes the person he's chasing at the end. His obsession overtakes him. Yeah. And I'm not sure how deep that theme necessarily may be or applicable to my own life, but um, although maybe I'm about to become Donald Trump and maybe that's really what we're going (laughs) – didn't we say we were going to put less Trump references in our – I mean that that I think if there is a theme to the episode, that is one of the major themes of it. That you yeah. become the objects of your own obsession, you become the monsters that you're hunting. I, I definitely think that's one of them, and I, I I think the other thing that we haven't talked about is the is the link between you know Scully and and Lulu's uh, uh, reactions to to their husbands, yeah. boyfriends, whatever, right? Yeah. Because Lulu is the one that sets up her husband, and he's murdered, yeah. and then he gets into the body of Jack. Whereas, and you know, she is, you know, playing Jack as the guy um, for all he's worth, right? And and once it's revealed that yeah. he's diabetic, which is another little, you know, nice little way to, <laughs> to up the tension of the episode. Uh, you know, she is essentially letting him die. And, yeah. And- well, from her view, as far as she knows, this is the cop who was hunting her boyfriend and he snapped and he thinks he's her boyfriend and like i I read that entirely differently i think she's convinced and i think she actually wants to kill him again i mean Mm. i because i don't i don't see a reading for that as i don't think that lulu would let an fbi agent die that's fair like i don't buy that because that's that's pretty bad <laughs> like that's a lot worse than robbing banks yeah that's a good way to get like the entire fbi and yeah. you know to, to to hunt you down so i i think she is convinced that it is her dead husband i just don't know if there's a any sort of thematic link between or a symbolic link between you know what what scully's eventual 
role in the episode is and what Lula's eventual role in the episode is. I mean, maybe it's just as simple as, you know, to be trite about it. We can never really know the person we <laughs> love or something like that. But it it is just kind of like, mm, it makes me think. I don't know. Yeah. I guess what leaves me the most ambiguous about it is at the end when uh, Scully is trying to do the, you're in there somewhere, Jack, kind of thing. Again, talking about this cabin. And he does have suddenly a very flash of memory of snow. It's ambiguous whether... Um, like I think I like the show better when it does stay in ambiguity. Um, it isn't really clear whether, you know... To Scully at that moment, we as the audience know what's going on as far as the state of their personalities and their bodies and all of that. But for Scully, it could literally be still that Jack is snapped from this case. He thinks he's this guy, but she is desperately trying to get him to remember something and the Jack part of his personality. Now, whether or not that's psychologically valid or not is kind of irrelevant i guess because yeah because i don't even know if psychology really goes into it i mean yeah. if you consider the fact that memories are some sort of you know engram based on yeah. electrical impulses in the brain they're not all gone because even though this isn't jack's consciousness it is jack's brain yeah but at the same time you also have but then you're just sort of spinning your wheels at that point so and, and there is enough about uh false memories through suggestion under duress somebody who is very ill dying of diabetes and in this particular situation could be making up a memory yeah just yeah. based on her line of questioning but that is certainly true as well all right this isn't uh the united states of terror is what we're <laughs> um i guess the more that we're talking about the plot it is kind of falling apart again it's a stupid episode in its way but it was not at all a boring episode i feel like i feel like i've said that before about episodes and i feel like that's more damning with faint praise than i mean it because i don't know if certainly the x-files would not have the reputations, would not have the length that it did if it wasn't doing something right, right? Like, it's it's it does something good. And at the very least, we have really good meat between, uh, ew, uh, I'm, I'm really regretting my phrasing of this. We have really good meat between Mulder and Scully on this. Um, yeah, and I, I think the last thing to say before yeah. we wrap this, this part up is stay tuned on that because okay. this is not the show... At its best, yeah. even. I mean, and I, I can also see it's just getting its gears in. Stuff like Beyond the Sea is maybe going to be more like, okay, when when we figured it out finally, this is what it's going to be like. There, there are. Um, I mean, I would I would argue that there are some seasons of the X Files that that are some of the best seasons of any television okay. show ever. Yeah, and you know the the the, the X Files certainly is always kind of inconsistent, but. Uh, when it figures itself out and when it goes really, you know, balls to the wall, it it it's pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. So it it definitely goes out. There. Yeah, but uh, like as, as if I'm watching this to be a television critic about to do a podcast. Yes, there is. Although we've talked for a good chunk of time about that's this a good already. idea. We should try that. All right. Uh, maybe we should watch every episode of every TV show ever. Um. If this is 1993 and it's Wednesday night, it's Friday night and, you know, I've just cracked open a beer and I'm going to watch The X-Files, I would have had a good time with this. And I think for that, it's very good. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about Young at Heart. Yeah, another one which made even less sense but was a better episode. And 
I think a lot of it has to do with the music in this episode is fucking fantastic. Like, uh, all very operatic and, you know, dramatic. The scene when she's in her typing up her report and, you know, reaching for her gun. Like, that was fantastic. I, we've talked a little bit about the look of the show, the direction of it, and it is clear that when the show wants to, which is a lot of the time, it is putting a lot of effort and care into its visuals. Yeah, there is there is one... I think that's very true. And and to me, The X-Files is still one of the best, I think, just entire packages that, yeah. that television has done. I mean, I think Breaking Bad is another one. Mm. Uh, you know, every episode of Breaking Bad, the the music, the, the cinematography, the yeah. direction, the writing, like all really, the acting just came together in, in a brilliant way and, and made something beautiful. And I think that's true of The X-Files as well, especially in, in episodes like this. Yeah. You know, I don't know that I would say that I liked it as much as you did, but... There, there are partially because I've seen it a few times. I can and, see it. You know, once yeah. you figure out what's happening, it's kind of like okay. But you're right. Like they, they do. They, everyone cares on this show. Yeah, and you can tell. Like they put a lot of effort into the makeup, the acting, yeah. the cinematography, the lighting, the music. You know, every part of it is really really done with a degree of care and love and you know we want to do the best job that we can do that uh, you know i'm not saying that's uncommon no in television no, 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 no. but it's certainly not i think the way that most television shows get made well i i mean i see a lot i think we've mentioned this before but i see a lot of twin peaks in the dna of this show um the obviously you know we're dealing with fbi agents but in the way that you know, now the likes of David Lynch are not working on this series, true, but in the way that there is a focus on the cinematography and the music and, the, again, the look of it. Um, and, I mean, I would even argue, I mean, I haven't seen much of Twin Peaks. I think yeah. I've seen two or three episodes of it. But I, I, I do think that the part of the reason why Twin Peaks faltered so quickly, and this is totally an unfounded opinion because I've never seen the bulk of the show, but... David Lynch is not a television guy. That's, yeah, and he made, well, the, the general view is that the first season is better than the second. I, I do really like the second and where the second series ends up, um, but he Lynch did have a much more strong focus on the first season than he did the second, and uh, it's generally, you know, the, the general consensus is he got kind of bored with it as the, you know, he'd worked on this project for whatever, his attention drifted to other things, and... Nobody really kind of knew what to do. Uh, yeah, and, and I, as you said, you know, there were, he wasn't a television guy. He didn't maybe have the, you know, he wanted to work on something different. Uh, yeah, and I think I think that 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 really does clarify Chris Carter's role in the yeah. X Files because Chris Carter is not bored with the X Files. Oh yeah, doesn't really get bored with the X Files. Is still not bored with the X Files. Yeah. He still wants to do more X Files. Uh, part of that is because he's never really been successful with doing anything else, but. But which, still, is a, which is a shame because yeah. the X Files is one of the singular achievements of you know '90s television. But uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, this episode is both very, very sort of er X Files and uh, strange, okay. and, and I'm never really sure how to react to it because it it does definitely there are parts of it that that feel almost like a stalker 
murder mystery yeah. sort of thing. And Mulder's role in this episode is to be stalked, essentially. And then by by extension, Scully's role in this episode is to be stalked by this guy. If the actual mechanics of the plot of this episode are not as interesting yeah. on the third or fourth or fifth rewatch, you know, I, I don't I don't generally criticize things for that because yeah. I don't know that these were really intended to be watched that much. But there's a lot of nice little work in these episode in this episode in particular that that, that still does work for me. Yeah, well, it's it connects very much to what I think is going to be one of the main themes of the X Files, which is going all the way back to was it uh what was the second episode? Um, that wasn't Conduit. It was. I don't, it's gonna go squeeze. No, maybe it was Conduit. The the one where they have the uh the the test pilots who are uh where Mulder sneaks on the base and gets arrested. Oh, with I don't Seth remember the name. It might have been Conduit. Anyway, um, you have these. One of the themes that Mulder ends that episode with is, you know, what price is technology? You know, yes, you're getting all of this alien tech, but the pilots who are testing it are snapping, are becoming less than themselves. Um, There is a price that is too high to pay for a certain kind of technology. And in this one... And in this, the main theme of this Dr. Ridley is that he is doing human experimentation to unlock the genes of aging, and the government is uh, either, you know, accepting his experiments, maybe even, you know, condoning them and willing to let a murderer go free if he's going to give them this particular secret. And, I mean, to, to a degree, this is a really fucking crowded episode. You have a lot of... I mean, I was surprised Deep Throat showed up and that they had the connection to the larger Shadow. And someone else kept... showed up at the end of the episode as well, which I don't think you picked up on, but that's fine. No? Mm-hmm. Mm. No, I didn't see. Yeah, um, the the cigarette smoking man. Oh, I didn't notice him. He was the guy that was interrogating him at the very end of the episode. Okay. Yeah, oh. they never mentioned it. I was kind of, I had never noticed it before, no. actually. I saw someone certainly interrogating him. I didn't catch yeah. that it was because and I it's think, not really that i mean i i, I i'm not saying no. it's it, it's a it's not a bad thing that you didn't notice that i mean he, he's only been in the pilot so far yeah he's not really a character yet so no i it, it's very clear he's almost a stand-in for a certain you know just re- he is a shadowy government figure he represents that there are factions within the government who are willing to who know a lot and who it doesn't even need to be the same character at this point you know, he's a symbol more than a character. It's true. But. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And As is Deep Throat in his own way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I, I, I think you're right that this episode does feel a little overstuffed. But I also think that this episode is indicative of the the increased confidence that the show yeah. has in pulling off these really complex and, and multi-threaded episodes. You know, what you have here is essentially, uh, 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 you know, you have the stalker plot with Anderson. You Or not with Anderson. Um, with... Uh, John Barnett. Barnett. You have the mystery of of why he's still alive. You have the the sort of um, interpersonal stuff going on with Mulder and his uh, his his uh, mentor, and you also have Mulder sort of feeling the guilt all yeah. over again of his inaction 
at the very beginning of his career. There's all a lot of very, very meaty sort of um, emotional stuff going on here that all really sort of ties together very nicely. And let's let's also tie that in action to Mulder's backstory, which was that when he was a very young teenager, he was in the room with his sister and unable to do anything. So yeah, for Mulder, inaction may be a terror of his. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, the show kind of forgets this later on, but his his kind of fear of fire as well goes into okay. that as well, I yeah. think, because yeah. he can't do anything. For It does seem like one of Mulder's character traits is is a fear of freezing, yeah. a fear of not being able to do something mm. at, when he needs to do it and something that he's going to have to overcome. Yeah, I, I mean, during the... Yeah, so let's talk about the initial... His initial failure, which is that he has a, he has a shot at this guy... He could be risking the hostage's life who gets killed anyway. Right. He's, you know, what they're said is it was by the book that he didn't shoot. He did everything properly. He he faced no real censure or career repercussions for not shooting. They did catch the guy and all of that, except he does live with the guilt of an agent died when I could have stopped him. Yeah, yeah. And I think you see that very clearly. It's interesting because, you know, I, I do think that, David Duchovny is doing some some good work in this episode and playing a younger version of himself, one that's a little less controlled. Yeah. You know, I I don't necessarily see the version of Mulder that we see in the present day having a sort of you know blurting out and yelling in a courtroom. Yeah. I I don't really get the sense that he would do that. He has a little more control now, but well, it, but there is the other part of him which is you know at the end of an episode and I forget which episode it was a couple of weeks ago where he's being. Um, you know, he, he, he's being interrogated by the FBI board and he, he's yelling at them. So he's definitely still got that personality trait. And I mean, I'm even cross. It was interesting that he calls Barnett a son of a bitch because that's the exact phrasing that Scully uses when she's screaming in beyond the sea. You know, Mm -hmm. I want to see you gassed to death. You son of a bitch. Like both of them get to this very, this place of fire and rage and anger and, it takes a lot to get both of them to there, though. It takes Mulder losing a friend and an a- and a guy, you know, taunting him that much. It takes Scully losing her father and, you know, again, dealing with both of them go. Both of them are triggered by people who are beyond the rational in yeah. a way, which I think is interesting, too. You know, neither Barnett nor the guy in Beyond the Sea are able to be reined in rationally through legal means. Right. And and the other part of that, of course, as well, is Mulder is explicitly being stalked by his own yeah. past in this episode. And, and that is probably the thing that is the most frightening to him about it. Mm-hmm. You know, he immediately believes that it is Barnett. And, and the episode does not prove that Barnett is still alive for, for quite a while. And we don't see him until the very end of the episode. Yeah. You know, I think that it it is, again, the show's increasing confidence that it is able to give Mulder a very, very sort of meaty, uh, you know, psychologically, ta- you know, tormented um, plot line to play. And it really makes it work and it really makes it resonant with the ways in which he approaches the X-Files, his work now, and even his relationship with, with Scully. Yeah. I mean, talking, I guess, about the his role being in the X Files, and I mean, one of the reasons I think bringing his mentor in it was a good was a good thing because it gives us more of a glimpse of who the old Mulder, the pre X Files mm-hmm. Mulder, was. Again, we're, we've been told 
time and again, Mulder was this brilliant agent. He was one of the best, you know, he was a prodigy at profiling criminals. And, you know, so now we meet somebody who is able to see who, you know, who knew who Mulder was at that particular peak of his career, who's seen how kind of Mulder has fallen or not. And, you know, who has his own worries about what's happened to Mulder, but obviously who turns out to be wrong about what's going on in this case. But I think it's interesting how Dr. Ridley becomes the kind of anti-Mulder in some ways. In other words, Mulder, by his obsessions with the X-Files, with his, you know, love of the paranormal, with his knowledge of the paranormal, I don't know if love is quite the right word for it, but he is an object of derision in some circles. Um, he is still very much respected. This guy respects him. Um, the other agent in the previous episode uh, makes fun of Mulder to his face, but when one of the other agents says something, you know, I think it's interesting that he immediately sticks up for Mulder. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the exact line is something like, hey, pay attention. You might learn yeah. something. Yeah. You know, no matter how off the deep end, but Mulder, Mulder's intellect and skills as an investigator are unparalleled. Nobody can deny that. And yet he has ignored all of the ridicule. He doesn't give a shit about his career because he is in service of the truth. Yeah. Dr. Ridley works on these kids with progeria, not, and, and we're told not because he cares about them. He's willing to put them through whatever pain, or, but because he says, if I had figured out, if I'd used this to figure out how to reverse aging, how to stop that, how to essentially make people immortal, the rewards that I would have gotten uh, would have been unparalleled, and he would have. So, in other words, again, he's Mulder, but for evil. He is somebody yeah, who's willing yeah. to ignore what people are saying, go off the deep end, go into something that is either a dead end or dangerous because his goal is that important. Except there are lines that Mulder would never cross that line. I don't think. I don't or, think so either. And I, I, or if he does, it will be the focus of a very special episode, right? <laughs> Well, I, I, I think there's a lot to unpack there. I, I, I think you're right that because one of the key or I think one of the key early questions of the X-Files is why is Mulder so invested in the X-Files? Why does he want to investigate this stuff? And, you know, I, I think for him, yes, obviously part of it is his sister getting abducted uh, uh, from the house when he was 15 and that affecting him greatly. He's obviously a very brilliant person. He's a very good investigator. Uh, he is, you know, they say he was one of the best FBI agents to come out of the academy yeah. in, in a generation. You know, he's a, a brilliant uh, profile of, of, of serial killers. Yeah. You know, all of these things, right? And and there were a lot of expectations riding on Mulder's success. I mean, they've said this in other yeah. episodes that, that you know, he was on the fast track to, to being one of the FBI shining stars and he went off and he did this crazy X-Files thing and now he's in the basement, literally in the basement. Yeah. And, I mean, his supervisor says a lot of us had big plans is the exact phrase he uses. Yeah. I mean, he was he was supposed to be... Fill in the yeah. blank, what, whatever the, the brilliant X-File or brilliant yeah. FBI agent was going to be. And, and I mean, so, I guess I, it probably does, de- you know, it is different depending on who sees him, but everybody probably saw Mulder as a young them. But I but I think that that key to Mulder's quest here, and I'll call it a quest because I really do think it is mm. one, and the show does frame it in those terms. You know, this is even a religious thing for him. This is almost a... A vocation. Yeah, exactly. This is a calling, yeah. really, I think is the word for it, that he fundamentally 
believes in the existence of what he terms extraordinary phenomenon of the paranormal of all of these things. And he realizes, I think the other half of that is, okay, well, he's interested in this stuff and that's fine, right? Yeah. But why is he so devoted to using the resources of the federal government and the (laughs) X-Files to, uh, and, and trying to convince Scully over and over again that, that his theories are correct. And I think part of it is, yes, you're right that the character of Ridley in this episode, or you could go back to, um, you know, a Sally Kendrick and Eve. Yeah. You could go back to a lot of characters so far that we've seen already. Even someone like deep throat, the cigarettes, yeah. man, or the, you know, what's going on with the FBI, um, that there are other people here that are using these, using what, what Mulder knows to be true or knows to exist in a very, very uh, morally ambiguous way, let's say, charitably, (laughs) to further their own aims and goals. Whereas Mulder is, first and foremost, a law-abiding policeman, and he wants to protect people. He wants to, in, in the best sense of the term. So for him, it is a way to say, you know, this is important to investigate. This is important to do because people like Ridley exist. And if I'm not there to push the envelope and if I'm not there to hammer the FBI and say, you need an investigative force to look at this stuff, men and women like Ridley and Sally Kendrick are always going to get away with this stuff. Yeah, I mean, this episode touches on the difference between law and and good, right? I mean, there's that... That exchange at the end when he does shoot Barnett, you know, to save the hostage, uh, Scully says, oh, I know what you did wasn't by the book. And he says, yeah, that tells you a lot about the book. The book is the establishment of the FBI, who is in the initial uh, conception, in the initial shootout, the rule that you're not supposed to just open fire on a suspect who has a hostage is to save the hostage is to right. reduce any risk to them, which makes sense. Great. But it has the interesting side effect of protecting the murderer, who is the person that the government is totally willing to deal with. You know, in other words, the law is going to protect a murderer who has something to give us. Yeah. And him breaking the book, breaking that law in a way is a refutation of that. In other words, Mulder still wishes to be on the side of good, where he doesn't really care about the side of the law. The side of the law is the careerist FBI. The side of the law is uh, those scientists who are, you know, doing all these random stuff, you know? Well, yeah, because, I mean, I think, you know, key to that is, and this episode is a perfect example of this, is, is Mulder's, Mulder's quest, vocation, calling yeah. to, to, to reveal the truth of the paranormal is something that is grounded in him having a expectation of protecting the innocent in some respects. I mean, I think that for someone like Ridley who doesn't care about the children that are affected with this horrible disease. And interestingly enough, they, they actually found a child that was suffering from progeria and flew her to Vancouver to film that. Like that was not stock footage that they smushed. Yeah, I wasn't sure. Oh wow. Yeah. Um, that uh, f- for for Mulder to look at someone like Ridley, you know, he is able to do this because he just wants money, he wants fame, he wants yeah. power, whatever, fill in the blank, right? It's it's not a naturalistic sort of thing, and so Mulder is more interested in that because he wants to be altruistic. I mean, yeah, if if Mulder was divorced from the reality of of his job to protect the innocent, to protect people, he might also 
take extraordinary measures to reveal the truth. And, and, you know, he puts himself in danger a lot. I mean, he's yeah. been arrested and, you know, a couple times already, uh, but he doesn't really try. And, and, you know, he does put Scully in danger, but Scully is an FBI yeah. agent and she is obviously <laughs> putting herself out there. She is consenting to this, right? I mean, because she's wearing a bulletproof vest. She's taking as many, I, I, that'll be a tangent. I don't know if we're ready to talk about that, but I think it's very interesting how, that really does subvert Scully as damsel in distress. I mean, she even says, like, I've never played the victim before. Like, it's very obvious that she, everyone knows what they're doing. They have a dozen guys who right. are, you know, around. And frankly, I think it's hilarious that the, oh, who's Barnett going to be? Well, he doesn't exactly hide himself as it is. But yeah, like, she fully knows what, she, you're right. She fully knows what she's doing. She is in a very, as protective of a, situation as she can be i mean it's the it's the cellist who is the one who's in actual danger during this episode really yeah no absolutely and that that actually is sort of a little bit of a blind spot on their part as well and you know Mulder, i think does correctly make the right decision at the end of the episode he 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 does uh he does save the the cellist you know I, i don't know if for me the relationship between john barnett and and Mulder is the other sort of half of the episode that is sort of yeah. examined because yeah ridley certainly is a bad guy and ridley you know it's very nice of him to show up at scully's apartment yeah. and say here is the exposition for this episode <laughs> okay that's fine but and it's it's kind of nice that he's hoist with his own batard in a way and dying of his own research yeah yeah but but you know john barnett and Mulder in this episode are, are almost two sides of the same coin yeah. you know Mulder is is being again haunted by his own past literally and not really able to do much about it. And it, it affects him in ways in which he is not able to predict. I mean, John Barnett murders his mentor. Yeah. He certainly didn't see that one coming. And his photos of Scully and Mulder also imply that he could have done more damage to people Mulder knows if he wanted to he just didn't get to it in the time of the episode it's true yeah because I you know I think really what this episode is about is un- unintended consequences yeah and you know Rid- Rid- all of them yeah I mean unintended con- yeah Rid- you know Ridley's unintended consequence of, of doing these experiments on on Barnett and having him actually be younger and, and now he's back and he's doing these horrible things again he's murdering people yeah. you know that's an unintended consequence uh, also the unintended consequence of all of these treatments killing them right yeah and and also the salamander hand is which again that's another one of those things like the tattoo which is just a little yeah i don't know that that's really necessary but okay they just wanted to give an extra little edge of body horror to it and and fine yeah i mean it's 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 fine i i when i said it was crammed that i think was the detail that would i think if they if he had a normal hand that wouldn't that it would have felt better because I mean, my thing is they make a big deal about how, well, he's using an actual hand to do this. It's varied pressure. He's very dexterous. And if he had had his own hand back, sure. But is he going to have the same handwriting with a completely different species of hand? Right. (laughs) Probably not. Although I will say, Anderson, the handwriting expert. Yeah. A little thirsty there. Yeah. Um, she was uh, definitely licking her lips at Mulder a couple times, and why wouldn't you? That actress is in a few episodes of American Horror Story, which I just finished watching. So it was like the, the entire back cast I, in this episode, I feel like I've seen before in something. Um, 
just character actors. Yeah, exactly. Knocking around Hollywood since the eighties and nineties. Yeah, I, lo- I looked a couple of them up, like the uh, the mentor, the other um, the other woman that he goes for expert stuff to. What does she do again? Um, uh, I don't remember. But he goes to her for some reason. That's a problem. Uh, sex. He goes to her yes. for sex. Um, no, like looking up, they have like you know actor 75 things and you know they just like you know show like three appearances kind of yeah 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 yeah. but i do really like that i mean you you mentioned you know he's doing his quest inside the fbi well there are so many experts who he wouldn't have the resource of somebody who was able to you know look at this you know piece of paper and tell him a dozen things about it immediately i mean i really like that they do have i i don't know if any of these people show up again if he need you know if any time they need to go for handwriting analysis anderson shows up or something like that or if they just do whoever's available that day it doesn't really matter i do like the kind of teamness of it and i could i could frankly see a version of this show which had a more well-rounded secondary cast you know there's three or four people that they go to for anytime they need to go to a corner it's this person anytime they although that would ruin the scully and Mulder against the world kind of ness to it and it would also take a little bit of the adventures across the osa finding these exotic locations and seeing things yeah i i think that you could make that show and i think that it would probably be okay and i think you might call it fringe yeah fair enough so <laughs> <laughs> maybe i've never seen fringe but it, it, i assume that's part of where that i'm not a huge fan from. of it but you know i also apparently am hard to please well, people have told me so <laughs> i i tell you this i i uh, as the person who knows your tv criticism probably the best besides you yeah <laughs> At the very end of this episode, they make the very portentous claim that we haven't heard the last of John Barnett. So let me ask you a very blunt question. Have we heard the last of John Barnett? I think so. (laughs) Okay. Look, you know. No, I know. I know. It's on the one hand, it seems like they're trying to, you know, all right, he's going to he's going to pop up again. And certainly they they could put it in their back pocket. All right, you know, two years later, we need an episode. Okay, John Barnett's scheme, you know, finally fires off. But I, I think at some point we we should have a tangent discussion about the the open ended nature of most of the X Files. Yeah, perhaps not now, but I do think that that is something that that is integral to the show and the way that it's constructed. Well, it comes from the. It's a general. I mean, it's a horror cliche, right? You know, oh, the monster is fine, and now we're at the grave, you know, and we're looking, and then the hand pops up in the end of the movie, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, We thought we got rid of the horror, but it isn't totally. And frankly, given that the show does have the theme of there is all of this shit that's trying to be covered up and people are always going... I mean, this is a show that there will always be evil, there as, as long as there is evil. And I guess each... The open-ended nature of the episodes kind of highlights that. They can't ever fully—not only can they not fully bring these things to light, you know, once they have, it still exists. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But we'll learn that more. Well, I think that's it for this episode of the podcast. If you have any thoughts on either of the episodes of the X-Files we just discussed, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at tuninginshow.com. You can check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash trekaboutshow, which coincidentally enough also supports our other podcast, Trekabout. Uh, we released an episode on the Star Trek Voyager episodes, State of Flux and Heroes and Demons, motoring through the first season. Wow. So go to patreon.com slash trekaboutshow and give generously. 
Social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, tuning in show is our username in all those places. And as always, please leave us a positive iTunes review for tuning in. Next week, we are going to be talking about the X-Files episodes EBE. No, it's called Ebe. And Miracle Man. Mac, why do you...